Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. A gorgeous 25-year-old woman with a bright future ahead of her, Sydney Sutherland, goes missing while jogging near her own home. In the last hours, developments in the case of jogger Sydney Sutherland. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here on Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. First of all, take a listen to this. Hey, we received a call yesterday afternoon, uh, late, that uh, uh, Sydney Sutherland was missing. We started out, got to scene, and uh, we've been working pretty much all night. We did finally break it down about 2 o'clock this morning just for safety concerns because of the darkness. Uh, got started back this morning between 7.30 and 8. Um, we've had multiple agencies uh, show up and offer assistance. We've had Jonesboro PD, Truman PD, Newport PD, uh, Tuckerman, State Police, U.S. Marshals, FBI, pretty much the whole gamut. And uh, they're currently on scene right now helping out with that. We're looking at not only on the ground, uh, we've had uh, uh, air searches also from uh, survival flight out of Batesville. They brought two helicopters over this morning. Arkansas State Police brought their chopper out last night and again this morning. Uh, they're currently flying grid searches now. Grid searches, plane searches, searches on foot, searches with tracker dogs. But all the while, did someone close to the family know the whereabouts of Sidney Sutherland? Listen to Sheriff David Lucas. We have, the only thing we know of right now is we have a confirmed sighting of her at around between 2.30 and 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Uh, in the area of uh, Jackson County Road 41. 
which is just north and kind of west of her residence. Uh, she was on foot out walking and jogging. Um, we received that information uh, from a UPS driver this morning that saw her. Um, we're kind of concentrating on that general area. And then more information pours in. Had Sydney been working out at a local gym, which raises all sorts of possibilities. Take a listen to Logan Whaley in our cut eight at KAIT. Plenty of people are still out and about looking for 25-year-old Sydney Sutherland. Here's what we learned from Sheriff David Lucas this morning. Jackson County authorities and volunteers searched late into Wednesday night searching for the 25-year-old. Sheriff Lucas says he doesn't have any solid leads on her whereabouts. Other than that, she was seen last or Wednesday afternoon as a UPS driver saw her near County Road 41. Sheriff Lucas says he's leaving no stone unturned in trying to find her. We're working every aspect that we can think of. And then the search takes a different turn. Take a listen to Katie Woodall, K-A-I-T, and Arcut 9. Those close to Sydney confirming just a few minutes ago that the body discovered today was hers. This is coming from Sydney's boyfriend's parents. They said the family was told the body discovered today was Sydney's. They also said an arrest has been made in this case. Now we are working to get official confirmation from Sheriff David Lucas, but he has not released new information since this afternoon when that body was discovered. Again, this is from Sydney's boyfriend's parents. They've taken to social media to let those following this case know that it was Sydney's body found today. And an arrest was made. Logan Whaley is on the scene at the family's home. He says the sheriff's office has shown back up. With me, an all-star panel to break it down and put it back together again. First of all, special guest Mitch McCoy joining us from KARK4, Fox 16 News. Professor of Forensics, Jacksonville State University, author of Blood Beneath My Feet on Amazon, and star of a brand new hit series, Poisonous Liaisons on the True Crime Network, Joseph Scott Morgan, renowned psychoanalyst joining us out of Beverly Hills, Dr. Bethany Marshall at Dr. Bethany Marshall. Dot com. Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor, author of Red Flags and host of Live with Dr. Wendy on KCBQ at WendyPatrickPhD.com and special guests joining us, Sydney's brother, Sam Sutherland and her mother, Maggie Sutherland. To the Sutherlands, thank you for being with us. Maggie, you and I have spoken before about when you realized Sydney, your baby girl, was missing. You told me you guys had just come back from a big family vacation in Destin, Florida, and that day everything was settling back into the normal routine, and you spoke with Sydney the day she went missing, correct? What happened? Um, she had been to, to do a workout in Jonesboro. She went over to the gym that she goes to work out at, and then she came back by my house, and she visited for a little bit, and I was still unpacking from our vacation because we just got home the night before, like at 9, 10 o'clock, um, so we were tired, and I was still unpacking, and I said, can you run up to the post office and get my mail, and she said she could, so she went and got the mail, and we visited it. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to finish this. And she said, well, I'm going to go home. Um, I think I'm going to bake a cookie or some brownies today. So um, she was going to stop by the store and get it. And then she 
was going to stop by Sam's because she had something in her car that she had taken on vacation for him and was unloading it to get it out of the back of her car. And that's where we got the video, the last video of her getting that out of the back of the car and people describing what she had on. Miss Sutherland, she came to your place after she had already worked out of the gym or before she was going to work out at the gym? After. After. Because I was concerned when Sydney first went missing when I heard she had been at a gym because that greatly increases the possibility of suspects. Um, and another thing, Miss Sutherland, did she go to Sam's place to unpack something from the vacation, her brother, before or after she saw you? After. Was it directly after? Yes. She left here and went straight there and uh, backed into his drive and got something out and was putting it on his carport. When did you first realize she was missing, Miss Sutherland? It was um, around 5 o'clock the afternoon when Alex, her boyfriend, called me and asked if I'd talk to Sydney. And what happened? Uh, I said, no, I was in Newport. I had run some errands, and I said, what's going on? He said, well, the last time I talked to her was around 2.30. Um, I sent her a text, or she sent me a text that she was going running, and he goes, I've got home, and she's not here, and the car's here, her kid's here, her, everything's here, and I've been out looking for her down that road and everything, and I can't find her, and I just thought maybe she would be with you because something doesn't feel right. What went through your mind at that moment? Um, well, my heart stopped. I said, and I, when I got there and I looked in the house, he was exactly right. Everything, um, she had been to the store. Her sacks were laying there. Um, she, her car was there. Her car keys were there. Everything was there. Uh, nothing out of order. She had, I did notice she had changed clothes because they were, she laid them there. And she changed her shoes um, because she don't wear them outside and running in the dirt on the farm road uh, because it was her good shoes that she worked in. Um, and I just started immediately calling my boys, uh, her dad, and uh, I called AT&T right away. And then uh, we called the sheriff's office that started coming in. And they were there pretty quick, too. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. 
Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. We are talking about the disappearance and the death of this beautiful young girl, Sydney Sutherland. Her mother and brother with us, along with our all-star panel. Back to Miss Sutherland. You all, including Sam, you, the whole family, neighbors, the community, police, drones, helicopters, all get out almost immediately looking for Sydney, knowing that you've got a time lapse from the time she went running to the time that her boyfriend calls you, notices knows something is wrong. She got a two or three hour window there. I recall you telling me something about finding a bead. What happened? Um, uh, That was on the next day. And that was on the second day. We were out on a search. Um, everybody would start in one area and walk back. Um, and we kept going to this one area for some reason. And uh, we were there and down on our hands and knees crawling. And all of a sudden, I was like, my best friends were with me. Um, other helpers were there. And I said, um, it, was, it was where the phone was found. So we were always going back to that site because that's where the phone was found that second day. Uh, so we were just down on our hands and knees, literally like, we got, there's something here we can just tell. And all of a sudden I found a bead that was on her bracelet. And then one of the other girls did, and we were marking almost rocks. And we were just, um, it really got me. And then they, that's when they come and got me. You know, when you say it really got you to find those beads, that bead, there's something about your loved one's possession, nobody else would probably notice it or know its significance, but you did. I remember when I was testifying in my fiance's murder trial, I came down off the stand and I looked over at the state's counsel table, Miss Sutherland, and I saw Keith's denim shirt. It was bloody, but that's what I had seen him wearing when he left that morning to go to work. And if anybody else in the world had seen it, it would not have meant anything to them. But I knew immediately that that was Keith's. When you say it got to you, what do you mean by that? Um, I knew then that something had happened to my Sydney. Um, It was just, um, it just... I was like, she either struggled and they broke it or someone's got her um, and she was trying to fight because maybe that's why the phone was where it was at. She was running to that field because she felt threatened or something and was running. But being, you know, down in the area, I just um, knew something was wrong for sure with Sydney then. Then we find out at the search headquarters the alleged killer may have actually 
approached the family offering comfort. Mitch McCoy, KARK4 with Fox 16 News, is with us. Of course, we now know an arrest was made. What can you tell me about 28-year-old Quake Llewellyn? Well, Quake Llewellyn is uh, a Jackson County native. He was, uh, you could call a family friend. Um, This small county, um, everyone knows everyone. So uh, it's believed that... Um, they graduated, Sydney and Quake graduated from, from the same high school, uh, which graduates about 50 people. Uh, Quake Llewellyn So each is, class uh, is only 50 people, Mitch McCoy, K-A-R-K, 50 people in a class? They had to know each other. Yeah, they, they definitely did. Uh, and in this community, even the sheriff uh, recognized that he uh, personally knew Quake Llewellyn and his family. Uh, like he knew Sydney Sutherland and her family. So all everyone knew each other. Back to Miss Sutherland, Maggie Sutherland. This is Sydney's mom. Is it true that Quake Llewellyn, now suspected as being a killer, actually approached family members during the search? Yes. What happened? Yes, ma'am. Um, the headquarters was up at the house that Alex and Sydney lived in. Um, it was set up outside. We had tents, water, and food and everything. And he just all of a sudden that day walked up. You know, he wasn't like a normal farmer that was dirty or anything. He was dressed, and he was just went and stood up against a tree. And I looked up, and I said, well, there's Quake. You know, and I already knew that he was supposed to be the last one to see her because um, they'd already said that. So I, they was like, just let it go. And I was like, no, I'm going to walk over there. And I walked over there, and I said, Quite, can you tell me anything about Sydney? Anything, where she was on the road, where was she running, you know, anything. And he goes, she was just running. And I said, you couldn't tell me anything else? And he goes, no. And uh, I said, well, thank you. If you think of anything, please, please tell me or tell the police. And um, he just kind of hugged me, and I just walked off over there. To Dr. Bethany Marshall, psychoanalyst, joining me out of Beverly Hills at drbethanymarshall.com, talk about the kiss of death, uh, which, of course, goes back to the Last Supper in the Bible and to Mm -hmm. the Garden of Gethsemane, where Judas Iscariot comes and kisses Christ to identify him to Roman soldiers so they can take him and kill him. And here you've got Quake, who is insisting he is innocent. Let me just put that out there. Who comes up and actually hugs Sydney's mother. I mean, when I just said that, it gave me chills. Hugs her mother. Nancy, we uh, see this in so many of the stories you cover. Remember Casey Anthony decided she wanted to get involved in children's rights? Or I think uh, looking for lost and exploited children. Um, There are multiple perpetrators you've talked about on your show who have killed people and then they join in the search. And I think it's one of two things. Either they're still trying to gain proximity to the victim. They have chosen the victim, perhaps in this case, Sydney. He knew her. He went to school with her. He was a Facebook friend with her, perhaps fascinated with her, wanting to stalk her and you know, after her death, um, wanting to gain proximity to her by gaining proximity to the family. That's a more complicated explanation. The more simple explanation is a complete lack of a conscience. 
just not even caring, just really curious, hanging out, wanting to see what's happening and not even connecting the dots that he has actually killed this person. You know, the thing about you, Dr. Bethany, you know, in my mind, if it looks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. I'm pretty sure. I don't need to put its DNA under a microscope to figure out what it is. You put so many layers on it. I mean, Joe Scott Morgan, help me out. You're the death investigator. To me, he showed up to find out what was going on with the investigation and snooping around, listening in to find out if anybody was close enough to figure out it was him. Yeah, standing off in the distance and just kind of observing Nancy, almost like a wolf circling the herd. You know, and just seeing what he could pick up in this environment, you know, and, and how callous and cold do you have to be in this context? You know, you're watching these people who, you know, just, just like Sydney's mama said a few minutes ago, this poor woman's down on her hands and knees trying to find just something about her daughter. And here he is out there and he knows he, he can only imagine, I'm sure, the grief that they're feeling. He probably can't because he's insensitive. But he's watching this at a distance, and he's collecting information. Trust me, that's the reason that police go to funerals many times when they have unsolved cases, because they want to observe the crowd. Just, just like, you know, Dr. Bethany mentioned, the reality is this. These people are information seekers. Some of these people are actually living out this event in their mind over and over again. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the Lord was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Guys, we are talking about a beautiful young woman with the whole world in front of her. Happy, charming, super smart, motivated, hardworking, everything you could ever want in a daughter, in a person, with Sydney Sutherland. You know, I've asked myself a million times, why her? Why was she picked out? Why did she have to die? Take a listen to our friend, Journey Taylor. 
Court documents are the first-hand look at disturbing actions. Investigators say Llewellyn took this past summer. Now, one of the newest details, Howard search on his phone netted evidence in the murder case. Police say they found that about an hour after Sydney Sutherland disappeared, he was about 2.3 miles from where her phone was found. But that location Llewellyn was at is actually just yards from where authorities found Sutherland's body on August 21st three days after her disappearance. In an interview with investigators, Llewellyn admitted to hitting Sutherland with his truck. He said he then loaded her up into his pickup and took her to an area that investigators say was referenced on the phone's location services. Arkansas State Police said he then raped and buried her. To Joseph Scott Morgan, death investigator, what would you look for to corroborate? Well, well hold on. To Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor and host of live with Dr. Wendy, KCBQ. Wendy, I know it's hard for civilians to understand. I wrestle with it myself, but someone may not in our country be prosecuted based on their confession alone. Can't do it. The case law goes all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. If all we have is Quake Llewellyn's confession, he cannot be prosecuted. That's right. It's called uh, the theory of corpus. That's a fancy way of saying you need both a confession and an act, a crime. People confess to crimes all the time they haven't committed. It's hard for civilians to understand that. When I was a public defender, they used to do it around the holidays to have a warm place to stay over the Christmas season. I know you folks on the East Coast know what I mean by that. But you need so much more than that. And even if you strongly suspect, even if they know details they never should be able to know other than they did it, you still need more. And that is where people like Joseph Scott and Bethany Marshall, all, everybody that we all talk on your show, that's where we all come together, put our heads together and find out how do we find a trail to some action that actually leads to a suspect more than the confession itself. And if any of you ever wonder how cases are made... Many, many times I remember driving around in the Fulton County District Attorney County issue Crown Vic, Crown Victoria, talking to my investigator, Ernest, every day. And we talk about the case just like we're talking right now about, hey, Ernest, I can't prosecute this case just on a confession. We've got to find corroboration. And in the last days, that corroboration has manifested it's not just his confession anymore. And now I'm bringing in Mitch McCoy, KARK Channel uh, 4, Fox 16, our special guest who's been on the case from the very beginning. What can you tell me about a dent in Quake Llewellyn's car, his truck? Yeah, and, and it was his truck that, that Arkansas State Police special agents really started piling up some of this evidence, at least from the search warrants that we've gathered, from what appears to be, according to the search warrant, blood inside the cracks of the tailgate and on that tailgate, to his family contacting special agents. Uh, days after footage at our home that we think you need to look at, special agents show up there, and Quake's wife points out a dent on the hood of his truck while watching surveillance footage. Um, that was not there when he left that morning. All of this, according to search warrants. With me, Mitch McCoy, K-A-R-K-4, that's Fox 16, who has poured through court documents and search warrants, sworn affidavit search warrants. This is how search warrant goes down. You get what you think is PC, probable cause. I'm talking about you as an investigator. 
and then you identify where you want to search. You have to go to a magistrate. They're there 24-7, 365, uh, not just banker's hours at the courthouse. You take the evidence that you have, your PC, your suspicions. You tell the judge, you swear under oath that it's true, and the judge gives you typically a search warrant approved by the court, and you've got to identify what you want to search, be it this truck, be it his home, be it his computer, his iPhone. It doesn't matter. You have to get a search warrant unless there are exigent circumstances. Exigent circumstances means that the evidence will disappear if you don't act right now. And that's a very old legal concept. It goes all the way back to U.S. versus Carroll that goes to the U.S. Supreme Court, which was a moonshiner case. A cop saw a car driving off and the tail was dragging too low. And the cop thought there's moonshine in there. And he stopped the car and searched it. The defense argued there was no search warrant and that was the birth of exigent circumstances exception to the search warrant requirement but here as Mitch McCoy reports they act to pursue a search warrant and what I find very interesting I'm going to go to Maggie Sutherland who is braving through all of this evidence while grieving the death of her daughter Sydney if you can even Imagine that every time I hug Lucy and John David, since I read about Sydney, I think about Sydney saying, hey, I'm going to go bake some brownies. I got to stop by the store. Her mom, Maggie, having no idea that she would not speak to Sydney again. What do you make, Maggie, of family members? And I believe they're referring to Llewellyn's wife, Gracie, and his mother, Carrie, that call law enforcement about the dent in the car. Yes, yes, they did. Um, they called, um, looks like on the 22nd, they went and viewed it on the 23rd. And uh, with what they said he was doing in the video that uh, they were watching him, he was at the front and he was rubbing like the dent and just looking at it and walking around his truck. And then when they went outside, they seen what he was, what was on the happen to the front of his truck because he had a new truck. Okay, let me understand something. I did not know the truck was new. That's significant because that dent would not have been there. You mean it was new to him? It was not a used truck he just bought, was it? No, no. It was a new truck that I don't know how old it was, but it's, it's a new truck. What was it? A GMC? What was it? A GMC. Um, 2019. Let me ask you a question. When I understood Miss Sutherland, that cop, law enforcement, I think it was the sheriff's actually, had reviewed video surveillance. I thought originally that they were referring to video surveillance on one of the Llewellyn's farm properties because they own th- and work thousands of acres that span a couple of counties. I thought that was the video surveillance. But you're telling me they see Quate Llewellyn, their son, their husband, rubbing his hand over something on his new GMC, and then they go out and find out it's a dent in the GMC. So the video surveillance was there at the house? Yes, at the house in Grubbs. And what was he doing to the GMC on the video? He was, like, rubbing in the area where a dent was. It's right by the grill. The grill's kind of broke on the left uh, passenger side, and then right above it is a dent. And they think that's where um, he hit Sydney. 
And but he was just walking around and rubbing it and looking at it and going around his truck a little bit. But he was when he was at the front, he would rub that dent and everything. So it made him very suspicious of it. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And Lord was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f- themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. We're talking about the disappearance and death of a, I say, beautiful because there's so many ways to describe Sydney. I've got her mother with me, Maggie, and I'm looking at a photo again today of Maggie with Sydney, and they look like sisters. Um, just beautiful blonde hair, these big, pretty eyes, big smiles, uh, a megawatt smile on their faces. And I just keep going back over in my mind those last words that Sydney spoke with her mom about heading out to bake brownies, not a, an idea in the world that she would have a collision course that day with a 28-year-old neighbor, Quake Llewellyn. And when I say neighbor, I mean that in relative terms. This is farmland. They were, me, they were far. How many miles away from you guys, Miss Sutherland, did the Llewellyns live? The house at Grubbs was 10 miles. 10, 10 miles, miles away. The, they have a house in Grubbs, and then they also have one in Jonesboro, which is about 30 miles. But he had, was at the shopping Grubbs, uh, house in Grubbs. To Joseph Scott Morgan, professor of forensics and death investigator. Joe Scott, let me circle back to that question I was going to ask you earlier. We've got, got to corroborate this confession if we want to move forward in Sydney's case and get justice. Now, again, Quake Llewellyn has pled not guilty. What can you tell me, Joe Scott? I need you, I need you to connect the dots between Sydney's injuries and the grill and the dent on that 2019 GMC. You bet, Nancy, and, and we can do it. I think the folks in Arkansas can do it. And let me tell you how it's done. When Sydney, uh, as as her mom had mentioned, was struck by this vehicle, 
it is struck, this dent and the broken grill is at a specific height. Okay, so let's think about that from the ground level up to the point mm -hmm. of impact. And this is something that we see with pedestrians. Now, what will happen, what will happen here is that the injuries that Sydney had sustained relative to this impact, and they're, they're very specific when you see, when you see vehicles uh, that have struck, uh, struck pedestrians, you will marry that up with her relative height, marrying that up with the, the point of impact on the truck. Now, here's the key. Reflect back what they were saying. He, you had videography of him rubbing this area where the strike took place. Well, <clears throat> because of that, if there was trace evidence there, and I'm thinking whatever kind of clothing she was uh, clad in, you might not find anything on the smooth surface that would transfer about the, the smooth grill. surface he may have wiped away, but yep, you're right. You're right on the money. The grill. The grill is fractured, Nancy. She said it's broken. So what that means is it creates these little jagged edges. And folks at home can just think of almost like a comb, if you will. If you if you were to drag a comb across a blanket, you might not can see it real well, but you're gonna pick up those little fibers. And that's what the state police are looking for right now. And those two things are gonna be married up. And this, along with, I could give you a myriad of other pieces of evidence that this individual is left behind, but this is going to put her in this location with this individual and this victim. Not only that, by his own statement, Joe Scott Morgan, uh, you know, let me go to Mitch McCoy on this KARK4, who's been on the case from the beginning. It's my understanding in his statement, he says he hits her with his GMC that he then loads her, I believe were his words, he loads her into his truck like she's cargo, then takes her to a different location, sex assaults her. And correct me if I'm wrong, Mitch McCoy, but isn't there blood on the tailgate of his GMC? According to search warrants, absolutely. And not only... Uh, do, do, does the state police have evidence um, related to that tailgate? According to the, some of the search warrants that we've received, law enforcement also, they have the same style shoes that um, Quake Llewellyn was seen in in that surveillance footage from the home property. Uh, state police have those shoes in their possession right now. The same shoes they believe he was wearing at the time Sydney was killed. Who has it in their possession? Which law enforcement agency? That would be uh, Arkansas State Police, but right now it would probably be at the state crime lab. At the crime lab. And what are they looking for at the crime lab, Joe Scott? Yeah, let me. Yeah, OK. Well, what they're going to look for are trace elements. Uh, let's talk about the shoes. Uh, these are actually work boots that this guy's had on, uh, that this guy's had on. And Nancy, he's a big guy. You know, they don't call him Quake for nothing. I mean, he's a he's a very ample fella. And you know what he has done? He's gone into farm country. You know, uh, uh, Maggie mentioned just a moment ago that this is on a farm road. Mm -hmm. These are tilled, tilled, tilled fields. I would imagine soybean or cotton and that they grow in this area. And he has left impressions behind relative to those boots and relative to the area where, where, Mag, uh, where, um, where Sydney's remains were found. So this is going to be key. They're going to be looking for that um, marrying those footprints up at the scene. In addition to that, all the clothing, and there's a big surface area with this guy, keep that in mind, he's come in contact with her. 
Remember, you talked about how there was blood on the tailgate. Well, there is quite possible. This is a brutal killing. There's quite possibly blood on on those clothes that he had on at that moment, Tom. And they're going to match that up. You know, how can you get past this in court? If it is specifically Sidney's blood, which we can match up through DNA, how do you explain the fact, and you can't, a way that her blood just mysteriously winds up on this guy's tailgate and potentially on his clothes as well? It's an insurmountable hill of evidence that defense will have to overcome in this case. You know what took down Napoleon? He was fighting too many wars on too many fronts. Quake Llewellyn's got another problem. Listen. The wife of a man accused of capital murder has now filed for divorce. Court records say that Quake Llewellyn's wife filed the amended divorce complaint. Grace Llewellyn accuses Quake of abuse, contempt, and neglect in their two-year marriage. Quake was arrested in August on suspicion of capital murder, kidnapping, and rape in the death of Sidney Sutherland. He's being held without bond in the murder. You are hearing our friends at KAIT 8 and in the latest, another twist in the case. Take a listen to our cut 27, our friends at Fox 16, along with Mitch McCoy. Is there anything that makes you think you could have some mental issues? Well, no, I mean, not not specifically, but uh, what I learned in, in my 25 years of this practice is that I'm not a psychologist. James says stress or a certain life event could play a part. And in any case, it's important to have a professional make those determinations. Under the Arkansas law, you don't particularly have to have a be crazy or, or, or not know what you're doing or unable to control yourself to still be able to use mental health evidence if it's appropriate to your mental state and what happened. N O no. Stress. He asked the, 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 the reporter with Fox 16, ask the defense lawyer, is there anything that makes you think Quake Llewellyn has a mental issue? And he goes, no, nothing specific, just some stress. Stress, my rear end. Uh-uh. N-O. If he knew enough to go up to Maggie Sutherland and hug her and ask her about the whereabouts of her daughter, he knew exactly what he was doing. Enough to lie and fake it. Maggie Sutherland, what is your response to A, his wife seeking a divorce, and B, a psychiatric evaluation? Uh, I do know that she did get that divorce pretty quickly from him. But from my, uh, you know, like, they think that he's not, he was a mind, totally a mind. I mean, a farmer, you had to be mentally capable of applying for a crop loan, operating large crop equipment. Uh, you have to understand crop production planning. Uh, you know, he signed up for all this. This he, There was nothing wrong with him. How could he go on and got this huge loan and, uh and people try to say he's mentally not capable. What huge loan are you talking about? He's running a farm. Farm loan plus Um, he just got a GMC. They put you through Uh, the mill when you qualified to buy a new car. I just went through it with our minivan. Yeah, they know everything about me now. And he managed to pull that off and he knew enough to go rub that dent over and over. He knew that was evidence in the murder of Sidney Sutherland. 
There is no way out for him. And let me remind everybody, this is a death penalty state. We wait as justice unfolds. Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. Goodbye.